Hello, everyone. Welcome to Spirit Led Hope. My name is Glenn Erickson, and in this episode, we're looking at the question, can gifts of the Spirit prove God exists? So if you listened to the last episode, you know that over the course of the next several podcasts, we're going to talk about both the fruit of the Spirit and the gifts of the Spirit. And I was thinking about the first time I saw someone operating in a gift of the Spirit, and it was surprising to me. It was also a little bit shocking to me. I didn't know what to do with it. I'd never seen anyone interacting with the Holy Spirit like that as they minister to someone. And it seemed almost kind of too amazing to be true. And this really forced me to investigate what the Bible said about gifts of the Spirit. I just had so many questions, so I really had to dig in. And there's one question that I thought would be fun to talk about in this episode, and it's our topic for today. It's, can gifts of the Spirit prove God exists? Because one of the things I was very interested in is what can these gifts do? If we just think automatically that because we're operating in the gifts of the Spirit, everything's going to be better, that everybody we talk to is going to be saved, and everyone that is sick is going to be healed, then that's probably an unrealistic expectation. So this is kind of one of those questions that helps us put a boundary. What can the gifts of the Spirit do, and what can they not do? So let's just quickly remind ourselves of the nine gifts of the Holy Spirit that are mentioned in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Uh, If these are new to you, go back to the last episode, episode 5, listen to that podcast for a brief description, and just know that over the course of the next several episodes, uh, we'll be talking about these in more detail. So just reading these, prophecy, speaking in tongues, interpretation of tongues, message of wisdom, message of knowledge, distinguishing between spirits, faith, healings, and miracles. I just want to think about two of those as an example. Let's say healings and miracles. I just picked those two because if this is the first time you've heard of these gifts, healings and miracles are just what they sound like, right? The gifts of healing are going to bring physical, emotional, or spiritual healing to someone. Let's say like a blind person receiving their sight. And the gift of miracles is where the laws of nature are just bypassed like a storm is stopped or something, or a storm is created, could be the way, I guess. In some cases, something like a healing could be considered a miracle. Like in the example I just gave, if someone blind from birth could see, we might debate, is that a healing or a miracle? Because kind of both seem to apply. That's not what's important here. Okay, the question is, if these gifts are used, or any of the other gifts, do they prove that God exists? You know, you could even say, do they even prove there's a supernatural realm? And that would be a different question, but very much related to what we're talking about today. Because it seems like on the surface, if you functioned in these gifts, they would be like a powerful demonstration that there's a God. It just seems like if someone saw this, they'd go, oh my goodness, there's a God, and they would give their life over to Jesus. But that's not the case, as we'll see. Now, I've never personally witnessed a blind person receive their sight, but we certainly read about it in Scripture. Jesus restored the sight of several blind people. Then he also healed sicknesses of all sorts, and he healed fatal illnesses, right? Jesus also performed miracles, like turning water into wine and calming storms. We know, for example, that Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead. And of course, Jesus himself was resurrected from the dead. So if healings and miracles, or any of the other gifts, are sufficient to prove God exists— then wouldn't it seem like everyone around Jesus (laughs) would have believed in him? But the reality is, they did not. 
And what we see is that operating in spiritual gifts will never be sufficient proof of God's existence. It just won't work. And I think there are two main reasons for that. So I think the first reason is that God made it that way. I mean, God tells us that it's impossible to please him without faith. So if gifts of the Spirit by themselves could prove the existence of God, well, then no faith would be required. And I think the second reason is that people who choose not to believe in God, they're going to see these gifts from a different viewpoint that minimizes them. They just won't believe it. And they'll just find a way to simply explain them away or to ignore them. I mean, think about the resurrection of Jesus. The religious leaders just didn't want to believe it. So they made up a story that the disciples stole his body. It was all just a trick. And that story was passed around. And we see that today. We see the same thing. You might you might even have your own story of something you know God did, but others just won't believe it. In the United States, I think there seems to be a growing amount of skepticism towards the supernatural associated with Christianity. And I think it's partly because, unfortunately, in the history of the church, there have been people that do things like fake healings, or they give futuristic-type prophetic words that are wrong, and so forth. And that just gives more ammunition to the naysayers. And then, of course, we have this um, elevation of the meaning of science and technology. I mean, if you had a video of someone being healed, it might be called like a deep fake. That's possible. And by the way, in saying this, I'm not downplaying science or talking against science. I'm just saying that's one of the practical things that we are up against in the sense that if more people are believing only in science, then it will be counter to what we see in the gifts of the Spirit. Part of my motivation for this podcast is that we would value spiritual gifts so much that we just don't fake things. And we want to make sure that we always speak correctly about spiritual gifts. And if we have the character of Jesus, then we'll use the gifts in just the right way. I think all of this will help minimize the rejection of spiritual gifts. I just answer the question, can gifts of the Spirit prove that God exists in a negative way? But let me clarify just a bit, because I'm not done. If you're talking about a demonstrable and provable method that God exists, no, the gifts of the Spirit cannot do that. However, the gifts can certainly point someone to God, and I would say it this way, they can be part of their personal proof that God exists. That they can do extremely well. So you might say, what's a personal proof? Well, it's where you've examined something to your own satisfaction, you believe it to be true, you just might not be able to convince anyone else to agree with you. That's all. The evidence is convincing to you, but not to someone else. To make this clear, let me give two examples from my life that will demonstrate this. So, it was either 1998 or 1999. I can't remember which. I think it was 99. My wife, Monica, was diagnosed with breast cancer. If you've gone through that or are going through it now or have friends that have gone through it, you just know what a roller coaster your emotions take. And we were in our living room, and we decided we were going to pray about it. Now, I know that as a Christian, uh, oftentimes my first reaction would be just to contend for total healing and just to ask God to take it all away. I think we often do that as Christians. And I was going to pray that. I mean, this is my wife. I don't want my wife to have breast cancer. And But as I started to pray that, I felt like a check that that's not how I was supposed to pray. And I I felt a little bit guilty because why wouldn't I pray that for my wife? I looked at Monica and she said something that, when I look back at it now, was incredibly brave. 
but it was it was a confirmation of what I was feeling. So at that point, based on all the x-rays and the data, the oncologist was recommending that Monica have a lumpectomy. And Monica said that she believed she was supposed to go through the surgery process. And that, again, was just like a confirmation to me that I wasn't supposed to pray for complete healing, like, like everything would just disappear. My prayer changed a bit. And I felt comfortable praying that God would shrink this tumor, that the cancer would just shrink. That we had peace in praying. It wasn't that everything would be removed, but that things would shrink. The day of the surgery arrived, and Monica was under the knife, literally, and I was in the waiting room. And I was expecting a fairly long process when probably after about like an hour, the surgeon walked out. To me, if the surgeon comes out early, either things went really well or they went really bad. That's just kind of how I view it. And I, so I was a little bit nervous. And uh, the surgeon came out, she pulled down her mask, and she said, the surgery went really well. We were so surprised we got in there and we found that the tumor was half the size of what we thought it was going to be. Now, as I share this story, if you're a Christian and you believe in the power of prayer or the power of spiritual gifts, you're probably reacting the way I did. You're thanking God that there was an answer to prayer. But if you're listening and you don't believe in God, you probably have a very different reaction. You're most likely thinking that, you know, back in the 1900s, the x-ray technology just wasn't as good as it is today, uh, or maybe that the surgeon you know, and her team missed something. Now, even though in the Pacific Northwest, we have some of the best cancer treatments in the world. And Monica's surgeon was highly respected in that, in that field of, of, of surgery for breast cancer. But if you're skeptical, you can find a reason to dismiss all of that. I mean, even if the data says otherwise. But for me, okay, I know how we prayed, and I know what happened. So this, this became a personal proof for me that God is real. My faith and trust in God grew because of that experience, even though I couldn't convince you of that if you don't want to believe it. So now flash forward to 2017. Uh, Unfortunately, after years of being cancer-free, the cancer returned, and Monica was diagnosed with stage 4 breast cancer in 2017. The cancer has moved into her bones through her whole body. And... um, you know, right now, uh, this is 2022, as I make this podcast, uh, we don't know what's going to happen. We, we just don't. But I know this. I know personally that for me, thinking back on that time when God helped Monica and touched Monica, I know because of that personal proof to me, I have confidence that God will be with us this time. And we've already seen amazing things come out of this awful thing called cancer. And it's been amazing to see just how everything has worked out. And so even though it's not a great situation, we're not happy that Monica has cancer, we also have some confidence that things are going to be okay moving forward because of that personal proof. And of course, even now, the confidence that we have, I can't prove that to anyone. I can't pass that on. People can just say I'm delusional or whatever they want to say. But we know, and I know, that God is present with us and helping us because of these personal proofs. 
As another example, I want to look at the gift of prophecy. So if you haven't listened to episode five, that's the previous episode. The gift of prophecy is an encouraging word sharing the heart of God. This story also takes place back in the 90s when I was just learning about gifts of the Spirit. I was in a class uh, where the pastor was teaching about the gift of prophecy, and this was all new to me. I thought the class was going to be on the book of Revelation, because to me, that's what prophecy was. And I sat down, and a friend of mine that I hadn't seen for a long time walked in the room, and so he sat next to me. And we're just listening to this pastor teach, and there came a point in time where I felt like I was supposed to share something. But like, what? I had no idea what I was supposed to share. And the pastor saw this look on my face, and he encouraged me to start talking. And these words just kind of started bubbling up in me, and all of a sudden I began to have clarity on what I was supposed to share. And as I'm speaking, my friend that was sitting next to me started to cry, and I had no idea why. I mean, this this was weird. Watch the class, my friend took me aside, and he handed me a letter that he had received that day from his father. And when I read the letter, like my jaw dropped. It, it wasn't word for word, but it was pretty close in sections. When I spoke, I had very closely paraphrased the content of that letter. Okay, that was, that was beyond anything I'd ever experienced. Now, you can imagine how my friend felt. He was highly encouraged because he'd gotten this letter from his father. And it's one thing to get a letter from your father to, you know, that's kind of like a dad's role to build you up and encourage you. But then to have someone else under the influence of the Holy Spirit confirm it, okay, that does something powerful inside of you. Again, if you're a Christian and you believe in spiritual gifts and you hear the story, you're going, oh God, you're awesome, you're amazing. But if you're a skeptic towards spiritual gifts, you'll find a way to discard this. All right, maybe my friend was giving me these you know, nonverbal cues, or maybe I had some suppressed memory of his dad, you know, talking to him, and I just kind of subconsciously spoke it. Or maybe I was just lucky, right? Just a, a fluke. If you want to, you can find a way to explain around it. But to my friend, or to me, no way. Because my friend knew he didn't share anything with me. I didn't know that he was going through a tough time, that the whole prophetic word addressed. I had no idea. So again, this was personal proof for me that God exists and is working today. But I can't use it to prove to someone else that God is real. But you know what? When you're on the receiving end of a word like that, it really does point to God. And you have to decide what you're going to do with it. When something like that happens to you, you either need to discount it or accept it or just put it on the shelf as a mystery. And so spiritual gifts like this do challenge people that don't believe in God but they won't force that person to believe in God. You know, in future episodes, we're going to look more at the gift of prophecy, and we'll even look at how to receive a prophetic word, because that's also important. Because if you are in a place where gifts of the Spirit are operating, you need to not only know how to give a prophetic word, but how to receive one if God chooses to speak to you that way. Let's kind of wrap up this uh, episode today. So we asked the question, can gifts of the Spirit uh, prove God exists? And our answer was kind of a yes and no. So the gifts of the Spirit can be a personal proof for someone, but not in a way that will serve as a proof to someone else. <clears throat> kind of as a final note, this is where uh, I want to make sure we understand that there's a very important place for the fruit of the Spirit here. 
if people know you and they know that you are a person with high integrity, they, in other words, they know that you speak the truth and you don't lie, you, don't, you always tell the truth, when you share your personal stories that include gifts of the Spirit, and these may be your personal proof stories, your integrity is going to make it much harder for the listener to dismiss what you say. And your personal proof story will have a much greater chance of pointing that person to God because they don't know what to do with it. They know that you don't lie, and you just said something that just stretched them. And so they have to decide what to do with that. They have to decide either you're telling the truth or you're crazy or delusional or something. But when you have integrity, when the fruit of the Spirit has been growing in you, it really does point people to God in a very strong way. Because generally speaking, if people know you and you have a relationship with them, they know you. They know you're not delusional. And it, and it will point them to God. Again, not a proof for them, but it will point them to God. So the key is, eagerly desire the spiritual gifts. That's what we're told to do in Scripture. But keep growing in the fruit of the Spirit. And now, as always, uh, at the end of the episode, I'd like to speak a blessing over you, so just receive it. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in Him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Until next episode, take care.